Uh, good morning. Shalom. Okay, we're all speaking Hebrew, so off to a good start. Uh, so thank you, Pastor Adam and uh, Pastor Craig, for uh, having me come and share this morning. And uh, thank you, Tom and Lori, for your uh, dedicated service uh, all throughout the years. Um, also, we just want to welcome all of you who are uh, joining us at the New Milford, Waterbury, and Valley campuses, as well as the online campus. Uh, so as mentioned, my name is Robert Walter, and I'm a missionary on staff with Chosen People Ministries, and I live in a small town just south of here called Brooklyn. Yeah, that's a joke, yeah. And, uh, and Brooklyn, yeah, uh, as you can see from the video, our, our focus is on bringing the gospel to the Jewish people, and Brooklyn has a few Jewish people. I don't know if you, that's also a joke, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, New York City outside of the land of Israel is the largest Jewish community in the world. Uh, so there are close to two million Jewish people that live in the New York metropolitan area. Um, and obviously, it has been a very heavy week for us uh, since last Saturday. Uh, I'm sure many of you are aware of what happened in Israel, and I uh, just wanted to let you know how you can be praying for us. Uh, it hit us very hard uh, in our congregation there in Brooklyn. Uh, Everybody was affected. So many people uh, are connected, are bound to Israel in different ways, whether it's family members or friends or coworkers, or they've lived there in the past. So everyone was impacted, everyone was affected. Uh, and even our, our staff on the ground in Israel, we have over 30 staff in the land, uh, and they have been feeling it. Um, this is a situation where uh, it's not just, you know, the military going into battle, it's everyone in the nation, everyone in the country uh, is pitching in. Everyone is, is filled with anxiety and is on high alert. Uh, and our, our staff, praise God, everyone is safe. Uh, some of them have been called up to military service. Some of their children have been called up. Uh, and we, we did uh, also experience some, some just tragedy from this as well. Uh, the video mentioned our ministry to Holocaust survivors. Uh, and we learned that on Saturday uh, in those attacks, four of these Holocaust survivors were murdered. Uh, and one more was, is still missing. Uh, he's a 90-year-old man, and no one knows if he was taken uh, uh, into Gaza or, or where he is. Uh, so please pray. Uh, please pray for our staff in Israel. Pray for peace, peace in the land, uh, first and foremost, and, and pray that somehow God might use this to turn hearts toward himself, uh, because that is uh, what, what the body of believers, what the church is about, right? Uh, so even in the midst of tragedy, uh, and even if it's difficult, uh, pray, pray. Pray that God would move mightily by the power of his spirit. Uh, and also, I want to invite you, if you want more updates on our ministry, on our global ministry, uh, on our ministry in Israel, or on our local ministry in Brooklyn, you can actually visit the website there, uh, or you could take out your phone and uh, take a picture of the little QR code, and it'll pop up, and then you can fill out your info, and then you'll receive our, our, uh, our updates, our prayer letters and newsletters and things like that. So... Um, in light of all of that, uh, I don't want to um, discount the sovereignty of God in orchestrating this visit. Uh, this was arranged um, uh, back in April when, when we initially connected, and no one had any idea that any of these things would be, would be happening. 
Uh, and Adam, Pastor Adam, uh, asked me to share about um, uh, repentance from a Jewish perspective, and uh, that's what I, I think is important for us to do. Uh, so if you have your Bible, uh, have it ready, okay? And, and we'll have the scriptures on the screen as well. And we are going to talk about uh, repentance, uh, but we also want to make it fit and see how it fits into the broader series, the theme that you guys have been focused on uh, over the past month or so, and that is Arise and Shine, uh, that, that wonderful call from God that we find in Isaiah chapter 60 to arise and shine. Uh, and I've, I've listened to the messages that have been shared previously over the past few weeks, and I've been greatly encouraged and challenged as well. Uh, and reminded of the importance of prayer, prayer as an individual, prayer as a community, uh, and the importance of, of being the light, right? In Matthew 5, in that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus flat out said, you are the light of the world, and that we are to let our light shine so that others in the world would see our good works, would see our faith, would see the light of God shining through us, and then glorify who? Not me, glorify our Father in heaven, Right, so we have this role to play. And where and how does repentance fit into this? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> to me, I was, I was thinking, I was praying about, uh, yeah, well, how does repentance fit into this? And really, if we're thinking about arise and shine, like I hear that phrase, that, that, those terms, and I'm thinking like, you know, when I first wake up in the morning, right? You first wake up in the morning, rise and shine, Okay, you, you get up from the bed, you, you, you start your day, it's a new day, right? Well, repentance is like that, that alarm clock from the 80s. Everybody, okay? You see that alarm clock, right? And what, can you hear it? Do you remember that, that treacherous, just uh, soul-piercing, yeah, that horrible sound, okay? And what does it do? What did that sound do to you? It startles you, right? It snaps you awake from your slumber. It, 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 it's unsettling. Uh, it's, it's a, in, in a moment, you have like this clarity. Uh, it, it's, it's uncomfortable. It can be disorienting, but it's also the signal of a new day, okay? And in many ways, this is what repentance is like. Repentance is like hearing that sound, and responding. It's that moment of clarity when we first wake up and realize what's going on in our life and how we have strayed from the path of God. And, we ha and it can be uncomfortable, right? It can be disorienting. Repentance can hurt. It could be painful. But at the same time, it is the signal of a new day. It's the signal of a new day. So when we look throughout Scripture... When we look throughout scripture and we think about uh, and try to put together a nice biblical definition or description of repentance, I'll just share with you the Hebrew word and the Greek word for repentance that we find in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So uh, the, the Hebrew is shuv, okay, shuv, and it literally means to turn around or to turn. And the Greek is metanoia, which means to change your mind. So imagine a straight and narrow path, right? This is the path of God. This is what he has called us to. This is what he, uh, his, his way, right? And we are, we're walking on this path and then all of a sudden we do what everybody does, what all of us do, what do we do? 
Like sheep, we go astray. We follow our own path. We deviate from the path of God. Okay, and we we can wind up in the weeds. We can wind up in, in very dark places. And then repentance is that moment of clarity. That moment when we realize that we have strayed from God's path and we change our mind, our will, okay? And we turn around. We turn our back to sin and we turn our face to God and we are then restored to his path by God himself. So this is, uh, this is really sort of like the essence of the words that are used for repentance in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. And when we think about the Jewish people in the Jewish world, we see that the Jewish people, uh, they have entire holidays that are focused on repentance. And they actually just finished about a month ago. Uh, <clears throat> and we read about them in Leviticus chapter 23. You don't have to turn there. But if you want to, you could go home, you could read about these holidays, beginning in, in chapter 23, verse 22 and forward. And what we find is a holiday called Rosh Hashanah. Anyone ever hear of Rosh Hashanah? Yes, okay, you live in the Northeast, right? You've heard of Rosh Hashanah. <clears throat> and Rosh Hashanah is, uh, is like that alarm clock going off. It is the beginning of a time of repentance, a time where the Jewish people, they will begin to confess their sins to God and lay it all out on the table before him. And then they'll begin to go to their family members and their friends and their community members and, and ask them for forgiveness and confess their sins and say, listen, I, I, you know, I, I, I was really rude to you six months ago. Please forgive me. Okay, so it's a time of repentance. It's a time of forgiveness. And then nowadays on social media, you'll see people just write up Facebook posts uh, that are very, real nonspecific, and they'll just say, you know, if I offended you in the last year, please forgive me. Okay? Is that really apologizing? Um, not really. Not really. So, uh, but Rosh Hashanah begins it. Okay? It begins the process of repentance. And then for 10 days... 10 days from Rosh Hashanah all the way through the next 10 days, these are called the days of awe, okay? The, the days of awe where every single day you are repenting. Why? Because Yom Kippur is coming. If you've heard of Yom Kippur, right? Yeah, of course. It's the day of atonement. It's the day when the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies and that one unique individual in Israel which would take the shed blood of a special goat and enter into the Holy of Holies. It was the only time in the year that he could go in there. And then he would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat in order to pay for the crimes and sins and transgressions of the entire nation. So it's one man, one special unique man, making atonement for everyone else. Okay, so there's a progression there in the Jewish celebration of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And in a lot of ways... It's about the gospel. It's, it's, this is the gospel. This is part of the gospel message. That's why we read uh, Acts chapter 3, where we see the, the, the progression of repentance leading to forgiveness, leading to cleansing, leading to restoration. Okay? Repentance is like the starting point, the turning point. And on Rosh Hashanah, there is, um, the, there is a very special instrument that's used to signal that time of repentance. And it's called a shofar, all right? And we have a picture of the shofar. You ever see one of these? You ever hear one of them? You ever hear one of them? Yeah, what is it? It's the alarm clock. It's unsettling. It's uncomfortable. 
It's a piercing, shrill, high-pitched, squeaking sound. And the purpose of the shofar, again, it is to signal repentance. It's supposed to make us uncomfortable. It's supposed to make us uncomfortable to, to uh, awake, awaken our souls from their slumber so that we could begin to take inventory of the sins in our life, of where we have fallen short. Uh, and uh, it's a signal um, uh, of, of a new day. It's a signal uh, that calls us to, to prepare ourselves, to confess our sins, to be humble, to again, take inventory, to acknowledge that we have strayed, to acknowledge that we have fallen short, to begin to confess our sins. It's a challenge, a call from God to come out of hiding, all right, to come out of hiding. That is what uh, Rosh Hashanah is about. That's what Yom Kippur is about. Yom Kippur is about that atonement that God provides, that shed blood for the forgiveness. But it all begins with that alarm clock. Before we are able to arise and shine, that alarm clock must go off. And we, we must approach with humility, with confession. We must, we must wake, uh, open up our eyes and again, come out of hiding. Because really, in many ways, that is the issue. We try to hide. We try to hide. And there is, uh, I mean, we've seen this from the, from the start. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, right? Uh, Genesis 1 and 2, God creates everything. It's perfect. It, it's ideal, Genesis 1, okay? Everything was exactly the way God created and intended it to be. Everything was in its right place. And then man and woman, what did we do? We willfully chose to disobey God. We sinned. And what is the first thing that we did when we sinned? We hid. What did we hide from? What does it say? Genesis 3, 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And a literal translation they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And that's very telling for us. It tells us what we lost. It tells us the extent of what was lost because of our sin. We had access to be in God's presence, unencumbered by sin, uh, 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 unfettered, right? That's what he created us for, to be in fellowship with him, to enjoy his presence, to worship and glorify him. That's why we were made. But sin, right? It broke that bond. It broke that hindered that access. And we did it. And we tried to hide. And this is what sin does. Sin produces guilt and shame in our lives. And when we feel guilty, when we feel shameful, we try to hide. Okay? Now, I remember one of my earliest memories of school when I was a child, I was in kindergarten, okay? I was in kindergarten, and uh, I grew up in Jersey, all right? So uh, don't hold that against me, please. Um, <clears throat> but five years old, okay? And I, uh, our, our whole little class, we had our little lockers. They were about that tall. And uh, before school is the morning, we're there. We're putting our coats into the lockers. We're putting, getting our book bags, whatever. And the kid next to me, I still remember his name, Stephen Henning, okay? I have no idea where he is today, right? But I don't know what he did, 
I don't know what he did to me or if he even did anything. Uh, but I turned to him and I was pretty upset with him and I called him a name. And I used the word that I didn't grow up in a believing home, okay? I used the word that I heard frequently in my home and uh, it was not a word that should ever be uttered on the lips of any five-year-old, okay? I'll leave it there. And I, I said that to Stephen, okay? He was taller than me, I was very short. And, uh, and I'll never forget the look on his face. He was shocked, okay? And then he said two words that just struck fear in my heart, where I knew, I knew that I had done wrong. And I was just flooded by guilt and shame right away. He looked at me, he said, I'm telling. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. <laughs> And he turned around and he went into the, he went to get the teacher and here I am, five years old, the guilt, the shame, I knew I'd done wrong. What did I try to do? I hid. Where did I hide? In my locker. <laughs> I climbed into that locker. I tried, I was, you know, I really thought it through. I put the coat over me. <laughs> She'll never see me, you know. She'll never find me here. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, that's what my sin did to me in that moment. Okay, I still, I, can, I still remember so clearly the guilt, the shame, and I tried to hide. And that is what our sin does to us. That's what sin does, that's the, such a, um, uh, one of the most damaging effects of sin. It causes us to hide. And what does it look like now as we're, as we're much older, right? <clears throat> it looks a lot of different ways. Some of us get really good at hiding. We, we can craft a really good persona or mask that we put on. Uh, and meanwhile, we're, we're hiding something. We're, we're just uh, too ashamed, too guilt-ridden to get it out, to confess it. And we think that we have people fooled, and we can fool people. We can fool people, but we cannot hide from God. Adam and Eve could not hide from God, right? It didn't work, and it doesn't work. And this is, again, where repentance comes in. When my teacher came out, what did she find? She found little me, thinking that she'd never find me. I don't, thinking, oh, maybe I could get out of this somehow. I could just stay in the locker all day and she'll never know. And what happened? She called me out. She called me out. And she wasn't calling me out with anger. She wasn't, she wasn't heaping more guilt and shame upon me, but she began to deal with the issue, to rectify it, to restore the relationship, to see, if, to get me to apologize, to, to help me understand the, the error of my ways, and to restore my friendship with Stephen, okay, who was right next to me. And when we think about God, God is like this. Even in Genesis, in Genesis 3, verse 9, Okay. Oh, also, uh, if you want to see a picture of the culprit, I think we have that there. Yeah. <laughs> That's him. You can see it in his eyes, <laughs> right? Uh, okay. Genesis 3, 9, though, right? This is, this is the grace of God. Because in our hiding, in our guilt, in our shame, in our sin, what does God do? He calls us out of hiding. He calls us out. And this, and this is where repentance comes in. It's a call from God. That alarm clock goes off. That shofar blasts. 
where we have that moment of clarity, that moment of reckoning, that moment of understanding, oh my goodness, what have I done? Oh my goodness, I've been hiding this. I've been trying to cover it up. And what does God do? Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Okay? This was not a condemning question. This was an invitation from God to come out of hiding. It was an invitation from God to come out of hiding, to come out from behind the mask that we might have uh, used to cover up uh, what's going on deep in our hearts. It's an invitation and a call from God to come out of hiding to repent for a purpose. Because Genesis 3, 9, that that invitation from God, that, that call from God out of hiding, what does it lead to? Well, it leads to exactly what Luke describes in Acts chapter 3 as he records Peter's sermon for us in Acts 3.19. Okay, Acts 3.19, what do we see? Look at the progression. It's a call here. Peter is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit proclaiming the good news to his people Israel here in Acts 3, to his Jewish people. And what is it? he's, He's not calling out condemnation upon them. It's an invitation from God. He's sounding the shofar. The alarm clock is going off. It's sounding. Repent of your sins and turn to God. Turn around. Change your mind. Shift the direction that you're heading in. Come back to the Lord. Why? Because what will you find there? Your sins will be wiped away. How does that happen? It's only through the blood of Jesus. Only through the blood of Jesus. And God is, praise God, he has made that provision for us so that our sins may be wiped away. So that our sins may be wiped away. And we keep reading verse 20. And that he may send Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ appointed for you. Okay? It, it's, uh, it, it points in the direction to the Messiah. And this, again, this is what we find with repentance. This is how it fits into the broader theme that we're talking about here at Walnut Hill. To arise and shine, if you want to arise and shine, you got to wake up first. You got to hear that shofar blast. You got to hear that alarm clock. You have to repent. You have to turn away from those sins. And when you do, The Lord God, the gracious and merciful King of kings and Lord of lords, cleans you up so that you can shine even brighter. And and he gives us, okay, as we see his grace, his mercy, his love, leading to this cleansing of our sins. And then we can arise and shine and be who it is that God has created us to be and do what it is that God has called and created us to do, to be the light of the world. And then as we are the light of the world, it doesn't stop there, okay? This is ongoing. It's continuous, right? And we see this in 1 John chapter 1. We see this call from God to not just the rise and shine, but to walk in the light because God is light. And when we read 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, what does it say? Okay, it's, again, it's a call from God, an invitation from God to come out of hiding and stay out of hiding, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you 
God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, okay? Come out of hiding and don't go back. We are not practicing the truth. Verse seven. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse eight. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Okay? Come out of the light, don't go back into the light, and don't deceive yourself. Don't think that you're, you're fine. Okay, there's always something. There's always something. Verse nine, though, this call to repentance. If we confess our sins to him, get it out. Get it out. Don't hold back. In your prayers to God, put it all on the table. The good, the bad, the ugly, right? All of it. Put it all on the table. God can handle it. Confess our sins to him. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. This is the progression. This is what we see in Acts 3. This is what we see in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. This is what we see in the garden. This is the, the progression. And it begins with us hearing that call from God and turning Actively turning, turning our back on our sin, coming out of hiding, laying it all out, the shame, the guilt, the sin, confess it. And he is faithful and just to cleanse you, to forgive you, to lead you, to guide you so that you might walk in the light, so that you can arise and shine and so that other people in your life will see the light of the Lord shining through you, through your words, through your actions, through the peace that you have, through your prayers, through your demeanor, demeanor, through your faith, through your devotion to him. People see these things. And they, in turn, will then glorify our Father who is in heaven. But again, it begins with heeding that call, hearing that alarm, hearing that blast of the shofar, and turning to God. So for believers, if you are a believer here, if you have had an encounter with Jesus, if you have been born again, if you have submitted your life to him, repent, arise, and shine. And if you've never encountered Jesus, if you've never encountered him, if you haven't come to believe, do you hear him calling to you? If you hear his call, do not ignore it. Turn to him. Pray. Seek his forgiveness. Confess your sins. Admit that you've done wrong. Because all of us have. And what you will find on the other side of that is that there is truly power in the shed blood of the Messiah Jesus. Now is your chance. 
I would encourage you, if that's you, seek and find a pastor after service. Talk to them. They'll guide you. They'll give you good advice. They'll help you. But heed that call. Let's pray. Abba, Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy, and for how you love us, Lord. We thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten Son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but instead have eternal life. We thank you, God, that you continue to demonstrate your love for us in that even while we were yet sinners, even when we were enemies with you, Lord, still the Messiah, Jesus Christ, died and suffered for our sins. God, we pray that you would move powerfully in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we might arise and shine. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.